And then there was a pause and she looked me straight in the face. I'll never forget it. And she said, now don't ever ask me or anyone else that question again. And I never did. <laughs> Her, it, it is the kind of smack in the face that I think everybody in their 20s needs. Welcome to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores exceptional career success stories, inspiring and insightful personal brand journeys that answer the question, are you coffee or are you Starbucks? Fascinating conversations with leaders about their career breakthroughs from entertainment, tech, media, and more. You'll learn how they've turned up the volume on their brand to unlock success. Firsthand, uncensored, and real, as told by people who've been there. And plenty of inspiration and practical tools to help you lead with your brand every day as you drive towards your next career breakthrough. And now, here's your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Hey, everybody, it's Jason Patria, and you are listening to the Lead With Your Brand podcast, where we are on a mission to help you find your true brand voice and bring your best authentic self to the table every single day. I am so excited today to be talking with Erin Uridis, who is the CEO of Out and Equal. Now, one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to Erin was because as an LGBTQ leader, I wanted to get her insights on how to show up authentically. Because people ask me all of the time, people who are LGBTQ, women, people of color, Jason, how do I balance my brand with what people see or what people know about me in terms of my diversity dimensions? And I will tell you, I really grappled with that for a long time in my own career. Now, luckily, I have been out of the closet at work for pretty much my entire career over the past almost 30 years, but where I really struggled with it was thinking about my brand, because I never wanted to be known as that gay guy. And in fact, I remember years, years ago in the late 90s, when Will and Grace first came out, people would say to me like, oh my gosh, you're just like that guy on Will and Grace. And of course, they were talking about Just Jack, right? That iconic character from Sean P. Hayes. And I thought, well, I mean, I guess so. I mean, I guess I'm kind of funny or I, I guess I'm, I'm like that, but you know, I don't really look like him and I don't know that I really necessarily act like him or do things like him. And then I started to really realize that sometimes we get defined by societal images that oftentimes have a lot of headwinds that drag us back. Because when I dissected that character, I was like, in work, do I really want to be known as the guy that mooches off of his friends and has no job? Is that really going to help me get to the next level? So over time, I really started to think about that. When I thought of my brand as being, you know, a super connector and a storyteller and a showman, I always was grappling with where does the where does the LGBTQ part really fall into that? Because it's not like I want to be known for being gay, but 
every time I talk to people, there's elements where people come and say, wow, you do so much for the community. Or uh, I would have brands come to me and say, hey, we're Focus Features and we're working on um, the rollout of milk or the kids are all right and can you help connect us with the community? Or working with E! Entertainment when they were launching I Am Kate and they were really looking for the help of the employee resource group of the company that I led. And it really clicked with me. You know what? It wasn't about being the gay guy. It was actually about being an advocate for the community and providing value in connecting other people to that community in a way that helped them do their job and better create TV shows, movies, and market them to the community. So today, I really think of one of my tailwinds, one of those descriptors that helps me move farther, faster, quicker, and more efficiently, is really being an advocate. Because you never want to be known as that gay guy or the black girl or the Latin kid that works in the office. You want to be known for what value you bring to the table. And in terms of my diversity dimension, it's being an advocate. I'm excited to be talking today with one of my favorite advocates. That is Erin Uridis, the CEO of Out and Equal, which is the world's premier organization working exclusively on LGBTQ workplace equality. Now, she's previously worked for Booz Allen, the Department of Homeland Security, and a major Middle East government during the 2007 economic crash and the subsequent Arab Spring revolutions. She's also the co-author of a book about change Management and Government, which is published in English as well as Arabic. We'll be back in just a few moments with Aaron. If you're one of our listeners who's ready to dig into your personal brand and go for that next career breakthrough, I have a special announcement for you. We have the next series of the Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program starting in just a couple of weeks. Now, for years, when I would give the Lead With Your Brand workshop or keynote address, I'd come off stage and people would come up to me and say, hey, how can I put this system into practice? And that's exactly what the Career Breakthrough mentoring program does for people like you. You're high performing and you're a high potential leader. Now, our next group is starting the first week of October. So if you're ready to do the work, go to leadwithyourbrand.com and click on Career Breakthrough Mentoring to fill out the application. For over 25 years, Jason has coached, trained, and developed thousands of leaders and executives, helping them achieve their next career breakthrough. He's a featured speaker at global conferences and companies to help everyone bring their best authentic self to work, show their value, and lead with their brand every day. Get more tips and tools at leadwithyourbrand.com. Well, welcome back, everyone. I am here with Aaron Uridis, the CEO of Out and Equal. Aaron, how are you? I am thrilled to be here with you today. I'm really excited to be in this conversation. So thanks for asking me. Of course. Well, you are one of my favorite people. So I was so glad that you agreed to be on. So for people who aren't familiar with you and your work, how do you describe what you do when you meet someone? Oh, what a great way to start. So I am the CEO of an incredible organization called Out and Equal Workplace Advocates. And we have been around for a couple decades working for 
workplace equality for LGBTQ people. And now that we've had this amazing Supreme Court decision a couple months ago, we are focused on training and our big summit and support of LGBTQ people and allies, mostly in Fortune 1000 companies. That's amazing. Now, I know you are fast at work on the summit, which is just around the corner. What are some exciting things that are going to be happening this year in this truly unusual type of year? It is truly unusual, isn't it? And all of us have had to pivot. So including out and equal, listen, we are, I would say in a nutshell, we are still going to be bringing the best of what we're known for. And you, Jason, are part of that. So we're thrilled to be featuring you and your work with our folks because it's going to be super exciting and helpful. But we basically got more than 140 workshops on LGBTQ equality in general, but diving into identity, helping people that are working in jobs in HR or working for their ERGs, employee resource groups. But we've also got a series of incredibly inspirational speakers, which include people like Megan Rapinoe and Glennon Doyle and Wesley Morris and Joshua Johnson and many, many others. So we're really excited. We are, it's a five-day conference and hopefully we'll still help people connect, which is what we're known for and not just learn. Absolutely. And I'm thrilled to be presenting the Career Breakthrough Series at Summit. Now, Erin, one of the reasons I really wanted to have you on is because you have this super interesting career path, right? You've worked in big consulting. You've worked in government. You're now running this big nonprofit organization. When you think back over your career, what are a couple of the big breakthrough moments for you? You know, I agree with you. And I look at myself and maybe some others who have been working in, for example, the queer equality movement for a long time. And I think what differentiates my path, and I'll tell you a few stories, is really that I love helping organizations and people through transformational change. So instead of just one movement, I've kind of been spread across movements. So I've had incredible breakthrough career moments and a lot of help along the way. My first break, Jason, was after my undergrad um, at Marquette University, I moved to Washington and thought I was going to work on Capitol Hill, decided I didn't want that. And I applied for and got a job at a small nonprofit called the International Women's Media Foundation. And I was an admin. It was only four people working there, but with some of the most you know, impressive journalists like Judy Woodruff and Carol Simpson. Linda Wertheimer and others. And it just so happened that I spoke French. And when they hired me, it gave me the opportunity to actually move to West Africa to help start what was called the African Women's Media Center. And I moved over there without really being familiar with the post-colonial politics of Africa. I was young, you know, white woman, really blonde hair. And I really had no idea what I was getting into. (laughs) But I was supported by a family that has always been keen on adventure and on learning and seeing what you can do when you're put in really difficult situations. So I opened a training center almost alone and at a time when there was barely any internet. And so, you know, I think, I think that experience really shaped me because when you're doing work in, in the developing world, you really got to roll up your sleeves and make it happen no matter what. So having that experience, and it also taught me a lot about myself 
in that particular part of the world. So that was one. The second, I think, which was hugely important was after I worked at Booz Allen for eight years, they moved me over to the Middle East right at the time that the economy crashed and Arab Spring was happening. And I was a change management professional working in one of the richest governments in the world doing government modernization, essentially. And so for a change management person, it was the opportunity of a lifetime. The flip side of this was that I had to go back in the closet, so to speak, and was disconnected from the queer community in the day-to-day evolution of the queer community for nine years. I tell people lamenting that I was literally gone out of the United States for the entire Obama administration. And I look back at this moment and on one hand, did I prioritize parts of myself and my career to take advantage of this huge opportunity? Yes. Do I have some sadness around things I missed? Yes, but that's life, right? And it gave me the skills and the visibility to be doing this work at a really high level in another government that got me to where I am, which is really the probably another, you know, big career breakthrough moment for me was taking this job at Out and Equal after having been gone so long, but very much a part of this community and this organization because I had served on the board before and been a young queer person going to summits myself, you know, learning from people like you, Jason, going to workshops like the ones you do. And I came back and had this opportunity, but almost walked away from it, which is an interesting part of the story as well, um, stemming from some doubt I had about my place in this community. You know, I've been gone so long and I don't look like or have the same story as the founder of Out and Equal. We're different ages. We have a different story. Mine is not one largely of discrimination, but I have a different queer story. I'm a different age and I had some doubt about that. I'm going to be really honest with you about that, but ultimately... I think the breakthrough moment there was standing up into the truth of seeing this as an opportunity, not just for myself, but that the entire LGBTQ community has been evolving and changing so much. And that there were a lot of younger people that saw their stories in my story. And so, you know, ultimately taking this job was, it's a huge honor, but also that has resulted, I think, in us connecting with people as the community has evolved. Absolutely. And I love that you really talk about your career as a series of choices and trade-offs, right? That is right. And when you took over the helm of Out and Equal, you had that challenge that you're describing. Anytime a new leader comes into an organization, it's a lot of change. And right, we're both OD geeks. So we get the, (laughs) the change management process. But it's one thing to think about it in a very theoretical way, right, on paper or an academic book. And it's another thing to walk into a nonprofit organization where you're taking over for the founder who led the organization for 20 years. What were some things that you did to really balance your own brand with sort of balancing the heritage and maybe legacy of the organization and the, and the folks that had been there a long time and were staying on with you? It's such a great question. And, you know, really, Jason, I think 
the first and foremost, it was coming to terms within myself of not trying to be the founder and not trying to be anybody, but who I was and who I was hired to kind of be and represent in our community. So I think just honing in on my own authenticity, my own strengths, um, how people were connecting to me. And, you know, I think how I did that was just looking at the places that scare me the most, or that I feel most anxious about coming out about and pushing myself to talk about those things. And I think when I did that and I came out in the ways that I did, bisexual, pansexual, single mother, a spiritual person, these things I began talking about were then constantly like the brand that I was trying to create. I was trying to be in the world solidified in me because I was getting the feedback from the audience. You know, a lot of people approaching me saying me too, and that's me. And it wasn't, I am not everybody's cup of tea perhaps, but there was just a lot of resonance with people. And I think in that connection, I was able to just stand, you know, further in how I wanted to show up. Absolutely. So it was really all about how could you test the waters with those elements of your best authentic self, but really listening to what's resonating from from your fans and your career audience. That's right. That's right. So Aaron, how do you describe your executive brand today? I think how I would describe my executive brand would be authentic, human, connective and hopefully funny. <laughs> I, I actually, I try not to take myself too seriously because let's get real. Like there's enough of, you know, the seriousness and darkness kind of around us, around us right now. So I try not to take myself, myself too seriously, but yet I think I still am and come across as, as very serious and relentless even about creating positive change wherever I can and moving us and the movement forward. So I think I'm collaborative. I try to pull people into the spotlight with us. And I think maybe the other hallmark of my brand is that I am obsessed with our mission at Unequal. I love my job. I love being a working professional and I am obsessed with our mission. So I think, you know, I'm the kind of person that lays awake at night thinking, am I doing enough? And I get up and out of bed every morning roll up my sleeves and do whatever it takes. And I think that's that's part of what I'm known for. Yeah. And I love that you kind of talk about this notion of it's almost walking the tightrope, right? Of being not taking yourself seriously, but being relentless at the same time. How does that show up at work? How do you walk that fine line and know when you're you're too far on one end of that spectrum? You know, Jason, I think that it really starts with the environment that you're working in and creating these really authentic, real relationships, spending time in relationship with your staff, with my colleagues at work. Because if I'm doing that, then we have the kind of relationship where that kind of natural feedback that you need every day as a leader to recalibrate and show up authentically is there. If, if people are the kind of leaders that people are afraid to talk to them or they're too high on a pedestal and there's strange dynamics like that, especially in a small organization, like out and equal, we're only about 20 people. That means you're not, and I'm not getting the feedback I need. So I focus less on the output or the outcome of that and more on let's foster the grounds here of a healthy organization 
where people can talk to me and vice versa. We can ask for feedback of each other. And then in listening to them, I get that. And in listening to their stories, because I think data is not going to get us the connectivity and the authenticity that exchanging stories will and does. Absolutely. And you have a, you know, a bi-coastal work team, right? And now we're all work from home. So everyone's challenged with this. How do you, how do you do that? How do you connect with your team? How do you stay authentic when many of them are 3000 miles away and now you can't even get on a plane and, and see them like you would normally do? You know, first of all, I prioritize it. We are very busy with pivoting in general to execute our mission in these times. We also have a summit coming up. So the planning and the intensity around that is a lot. However, we still have a team that is comprised of individuals who are going through an extreme amount of stress right now. I have beautiful staff, work colleagues, friends, and family who have lost people at an alarming rate in the last few months. We've all lived through the intensity of the racial justice, Black Lives Matter protests going on. We have this election coming up, uh, that small thing of the election coming up. So <laughs> I think what I do specifically is to not postpone or cancel these connection points, these staff meetings that we have, that's just one way, but recently we have been using the Zoom breakout technology yeah. to just come, come together for maybe even a shorter period of time, but to tee up questions and break people out that are really about human connections. So my favorite recent story or one of my favorite examples of this was convening all 20 of us together. You go into the Zoom breakout and I ask people, just talk for a few minutes about what is your favorite part of queer culture? And just that simple question alone led some of our older staff members down the road of remembering what it was like to live through HIV AIDS. It allowed people to connect over favorite books and movies. It allowed us to talk about the things that are so special about the LGBTQ community. And we derive great joy out of that. And it was beautiful. We're going to keep, you know, figuring out ways to connect at that level when people are at home and going through really tough times. I think it's really important. Yeah. Aaron, want to ask you about how you've evolved your brand over time, right? And and I even think right now you have a unique place where you go and talk to CEOs and C-suite executives at big Fortune 500 companies, and then you're out talking to folks in the grassroots activist community, right? And how has your evolution brought you to a place that you can speak to those multiple audiences? Well, and the question you asked is really what this is all about, right? It's about tailoring. It's not about changing who you are in different audiences. It's about tailoring, I think, how you show up in ways that you resonate with your audiences so that you have the connection and you can make the impact you want to have. So I think the ways I've done that are, for example, to level up, so to speak, and make sure that when I'm talking to a CEO or to a board or to uh, you know other executives and change makers, that the message 
of the impact and what we're trying to do with queer equality in the workplace is resonating with them at all levels. So from the business case to the workforce they're trying to retain. But the other thing is not to leave the part of myself aside that is very human, that is the storyteller that connects to people on a human level. And so, for example, how that might look is is showing up and trying to connect with these executives, many of them allies, about their story of how they're connected to us. You know, do they know a queer person? Do they have a young bisexual daughter that just came out that they want to talk about? And and many times it's not about queer identity. It's about this idea that we all cover things and that in uncovering them, we forge these bonds. And that happens at executive levels as well, not just kind of in the trenches. And I think in many ways, folks at the top are just as hungry and eager to share their humanity and their stories and how diverse their communities are. At least that's been my experience when I walk in to talk to them. So I think it's evolved in short to, I think I am authentic and still able to show up and and kind of tailor what I bring in a way that best meets who I'm talking to in the room. Yeah. So ultimately, it's all about strategy, right? You know, what are you trying to accomplish for yourself as a leader? And more importantly, for the organization and the movement? And how do you bring the authenticity elements while kind of turning up on the the volume on the pieces that help the, the audience hear it best, right? That's right. Exactly. Very, very well said. So... I know that you talked about working in the Middle East and and Africa and making some trade-offs around being out, around showing up as your authentic self. You know, LGBTQ people ask me this all of the time, right? And it's a very personal type of choice. What do you say to LGBTQ people who are balancing being their authentic queer self with the type of work culture or the local culture or country culture or even places where it's illegal, right? Which you've certainly worked in. That's right. And I'm really glad you asked me that question. And it's one I've thought a lot about. And I think that for me, the, what I would say to people is that first of all, our lifetime hopefully is long and not any one moment or choice. And the second thing is that we all have to put food on the table and we all are making choices that sometimes will lead to or where you're betting on it leading to different opportunities. And so I think for me, what I learned was not to beat yourself up too much for any one choice. I think you have to make decisions based on your own authenticity, your circumstances, certainly your level of perceived danger. I mean, by far there are, you know, people we're pretty privileged here, some of us. And I think that people have to be very careful, especially as this kind of the, the hateful rhetoric around us has been amplified greatly in certain areas. That said, if you can be brave and you are on the verge of stepping out and being out and even speaking to maybe it's just one person in a way that allows you to be authentic and to gather the strength from that so that you can keep bringing that to the next choice. For me, that's the answer. It's not any one ideal 
if you were so fortunate enough to have enough uh, money and security that you can show up and, and you can just be out all the time, I'm happy for you. And also that's just not everybody's experience. So, and probably not most people's experience, not most right? people's experience. That's right. And, you know, so being brave and authentic and just doing as Brene Brown said, the next best right thing that I you can that. do. Yeah. So Aaron, I have a couple of uh, finale questions for you, a little rapid fire. We're talking all about brands. So what brand are you obsessed with right now? What What's something that you must have that you must consume? What are you obsessed with? Oh my gosh. Well, like many people on the planet, I'm kind of obsessed with Apple, <laughs> especially because with kids working from home and the multiple devices, I feel like all the iPads, iPods, et cetera, is, you know, is just something that's kind of surrounding me in my life. So you like um, live so. in an Apple store right now? Is that what I'm hearing? Let me just wish, I mean, wouldn't it be nice if I lived in an Apple store? I've got toys around. So I think the Apple aesthetic is like way more sleek than my house um, <laughs> right now and very like much more sophisticated. So, you know, that's just one that comes to mind. Awesome. Now, if you were a car, what type of car would you be? Oh my gosh, should I give, um, I feel like a typical answer that I say with a smile on my face would be like a Subaru Outback. <laughs> of course. <laughs> right? I think I would be some kind of maybe sophisticated looking hybrid vehicle, you know, that's not putting too much emissions out there and getting good gas mileage and efficiency. Cause I think efficiency is part of my brand too. <laughs> <laughs> Final question here. What's the best career advice that you would like to pass on to our listeners today? Oh, man, do I have a story for you? <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you, this is real. And it was profoundly meaningful for me at the age I was at to get this career advice. Let me set the stage here, Jason. I had just come back from Africa, living and working in Africa with an undergraduate degrees in political science and French. I've been out of the country for a few years doing essentially communications and project management work in press freedom. So I come back and after a significant and meaningful but short stint trying to start a nonprofit after Matthew Shepard was killed in California, or sorry, in uh, Colorado, where he died, I moved back home and took a job at one of the big top consulting companies, Booz Allen Hamilton. And it was a fabulous experience. I interviewed well, and I got a job that I didn't think I was going to get in public outreach on an army project uh, north of Baltimore. But I was excited to get the job. I did not have an MBA. I didn't have a business background. I was still in my 20s. And I walked into a world, Jason, where people were definitely speaking business speak. They looked a certain way. It was a management consulting environment that I was not familiar with and that where I did not feel like I belonged. And I had a lot of self-doubt in the first six months. And I, I was doing pretty well, but still kind of plagued with self-doubt around, was I doing the job they kind of quote unquote hired me to do? And one day I followed a very senior person into the copy room, a woman named Robin, who was fantastic. And she, 
you know, I asked her, I said, listen, I was trying to be authentic and genuine. And I just thought, I'm so anxious about this. I'm going to put it on the line for her. And I said, Robin, listen, I don't know why you hired me because I don't have a business degree. I'm not quite sure what I'm supposed to be doing. You know, am I doing the right thing? I just kind of dumped all myself down <laughs> out to the senior woman, but who I liked and trusted. And she did me a huge favor because she looked me straight in the face and she said, Aaron, we hired you because the work you did in Africa, even if you don't think it directly relates to what you're doing, the work you did in Africa said to us that you could build something out of nothing in very difficult circumstances of the developing world and that you could look around and see a problem and solve it. And she said, it doesn't matter if you have an MBA or not. That is all we are asking you to do here is to do the same. That's why we hired you. And then there was a pause and she said, she looked me straight in the face. I'll never forget it. And she said, now don't ever ask me or anyone else that question again. And I never did. <laughs> Her, it, it is the kind of smack in the face that I think everybody in their 20s needs to remind you that if you have gotten to where you are, and if that's a good space, don't spend too much time. Somehow figure out a way that you can muster up like the full collective of what you bring and find a way to believe that it is unique and helpful and do not look back. And I never did. I never asked anybody again for a job description. I have walked in largely to opportunities, looking at the question behind the question, looking at what the need is around me and trying to help people solve problems and build relationships in the process. Um, and I, the why I am want to impart that with your audience is because we are, I don't think I need to say this. I think we're living in times when we don't have any time or resources to waste. We need everybody's unique gifts right now. And none of us wins if each of us doesn't see our unique value. And so I hope that story was helpful. <laughs> I'll never forget it. It helped me. It helped me realize some things at an early age that I have not forgotten. She did me a huge favor. favor. So Robin, if you're out there, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, Aaron, thank you for that great smack in the face. And more importantly, <laughs> thank you for sharing your unique gifts. And we'll be back in just a few moments. Are you tired of not being recognized for your work? Are you ready to rise above the rest and accelerate to the next level? The Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program will help you take control of your career, develop your own unique brand, and catapult you to a whole new level of success. You are a top performer, and the Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program is what you need to get you there. Visit leadwithyourbrand.com to learn how. Well, I don't know about you, but I just loved our time with Aaron Uridis. You know, one of the things that really stood out in our conversation was this whole notion of authenticity. And you know, a lot of times I really push back on people when they say they're authentic because I say, you're authentically what? But the real flavor that Aaron gave to that is being authentic isn't about 
altering who you are and trying to be something to different people. It's about being the core of who you are, but tailoring your brand and leading with different brand attributes in a way that your audience can hear it. Now, ultimately, your career is defined by your career audience and your super fans, but each audience member needs a little bit something different. And what I gained from Aaron is it's all about thinking about your ultimate career strategy or your business strategy and tailoring your brand and tailoring your message to that audience while keeping the core authentic elements of who you are. Thank you so much. I hope you've enjoyed the show. If you have, be sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode. And of course, I'd love for you to take a quick moment to leave a comment and rate the show. Now, connect with me on social media. I'm on all platforms at at Jason Patria. And hit me up on LinkedIn, where I'll share all of my great lead with your brand tips. And remember, in your career... Don't be a commodity like coffee. Make sure that you are the super premium brand that you are, just like Starbucks. You've been listening to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores and uncovers exceptional career success stories and inspiring personal brand journeys with your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Remember to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us at leadwithyourbrand.com.